I feel like I came one week too early because this Frank's the lunch thing sounds kind of cool. And uh, I love it. I might, I, might to, I might have to come back and, uh, and uh, partake in the everyone bring a plate thing. I love it. Um, I always used to enjoy that growing up. Um, as you can tell by my, my face, I'm of Asian persuasion. And, um, and uh, so growing up um, around um, what a lot of um, Caucasian people will, would call very exotic foods, um, I was like the opposite. Like exotic for me was like um, kind of, you know, egg sandwiches and um, um, like anything, like any kind of meat that has been corned with any white kind of sauce on it. And so, and the only time I ever got to eat that kind of food was when, the, when there were these like kind of church, everyone bring a plate kind of thing. And I would just lose my mind, you know, eating these sandwiches with the crust cut off. It was like, and people were going, why are you so excited? You have no idea. This is like <laughs> the most amazing thing for a young Chinese boy. And so, and speaking about Chinese things, it's actually uh, Chinese New Year, people. So, Kung Fa Choi. And uh, it's a bit of an international rule that all the young people get to go to older Asian people and say, Kung Yi Fat Choi, and they've got to give you money. So at the end of this meeting, if you're driving down the street, you see an old Asian person walking around, just pull over and run up and say, Kung Yi Fat Choi, and they've got to give you money. It's like kind of an international Chinese rule. Uh, to the grown-ups here in this room, you can't do that. Uh, it's, that that's called robbery. Uh, so, so just make sure that young person, older Asian person, Kung Hei, Fat Choi. Um, I love hanging out at Frankston, uh, at the Frankston campus. We've had so much fun uh, at the Cheltenham campus over the couple of days, but I was so looking forward to kind of capping off my annual Bayside visit uh, with my annual trip uh, to uh, Frankston. And uh, there's so much love and so much joy uh, here in this place. If you're new or relatively new to this community, uh, you've stumbled into a good one uh, because uh, people genuinely care for people here. Uh, so, um, I have a really simple message for you this weekend. It's kind of like fitting into what Pastor Robin was sharing about, just even in her giving talk about kind of taking that next step and you know progressing and going forward in our journey. Um, I want to talk about progressing, bless you, and um, taking that next step in our journey as well. And um, it's all going to center around this concept. I want to talk about excess baggage and handbags. Um, excess baggage and handbags. And, uh, and this message today is going to uh, come from a couple of scriptures. So if you've got your Bibles, can you go with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 12? If you don't have a Bible, it's all good. Um, I'll read it for you. Hopefully you can understand my Australian accent. Um, Hebrews chapter 12 uh, and verse 1. The Bible says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. The other passage we'll be looking at is found in the book of Matthew uh, chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, right there at the beginning of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. These are really famous words that Jesus once spoke. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. There are other versions that say, all you who are weak and heavy laden. I think the message talks about if you're carrying something that's ill-fitting, uh, that you weren't designed or destined to carry, Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest from that. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. 
for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Um, I believe that God wants to help us all in our journeys. I believe that God wants to empower us by His Spirit to take that next step forward. But for some of us to do that, we're going to have to lose a little bit of weight and thinking about picking up a handbag. We've got to lose a little bit of weight, and we've also got to pick up a handbag. Yes, that's you too, sir. We've got to pick up a handbag. Let me pray, and we'll jump into it. Lord Jesus, we love you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to hang out with our family here at Bayside in Frankston, to sing praises to you and to experience your presence. And right now, I ask that you would open up our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to receive what you have for us. I pray that I would decrease and that you would increase. In fact, that I would disappear and you would wholly appear. And that you would be our teacher, our leader, our guide here this morning. Do it for your name's sake. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. It's time to think about dropping some weight and picking up a handbag. Uh, I was recently doing some flying in a country that will remain nameless uh, a couple of weeks ago where I saw an incident. Um, the country is a combative country. It's a little bit of an argumentative. It was, it was America. And, um, <laughs> and I saw this, this uh, interesting scenario unfold before me. Uh, there was an argument going on when I came to the check-in line. And obviously, the man who was in front of me trying to check in his baggage um, had too much weight in his um, carry-on luggage. And he was ranting and he was raving. He was carrying on. He's being quite abusive. Um, he was threatening the woman's job. He was telling her what a stupid policy it was to have weight limits. And it's always a stupid policy when you're the one who's getting busted for it. Uh, but when someone else is getting busted for it, come on, don't we all just like Riley smile just a little bit? We love it when other people get caught. But for us, we're kind of going, oh, it's a stupid rule and how ridiculous is this? And, and he was carrying on, but she was so calm and she just smiled. And, uh, and just gently kept replying, sorry, sir, um, there is a weight limit. Um, and if you want to carry this baggage uh, onto the plane, uh, you're going to have to lose some of the weight. And as I was watching this scenario unfold, I couldn't help but sense the Holy Spirit whispering something similar to me. Uh, the reality is all of us have a journey that God desires us to be on. That's what Hebrews chapter 12 says. You've got to get your mind around it. He says, therefore, since you are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, or in other words, now you find yourself a part of something so much bigger than yourself, this grand kingdom of God. You've got to like, throw off everything that hinders, everything that hampers you, everything that hamstrings you in your journey, and run with perseverance this race that has been marked out for us. Get your mind around that. God has marked out a race for each and every single one of us. Uh, I went to uh, a school called Halebury College, which is not far um, from here. And I remember uh, as a part of our uh, physical education program, they used to make us run cross country every now and then, uh, also known as hell. And, um, and I always thought that it was just like so sick and twisted, these, 
these, these vindictive, like, kind of sociopathic phys ed teachers going out into the woods and basically kind of putting, you know, colored markers to let us know where we needed to run. I just pictured them giggling with delight, knowing that these poor, like, you know, prepubescent boys would be running around the woods, like, you know, literally experiencing hell. And, uh, but, but if you think about it, it actually requires a little bit of work. Um, for these phys ed teachers to go out there and to mark out the race. It takes a little bit of planning. It takes a little bit of care. Well, the Bible says this, that the God of this universe, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who literally has got the whole world in his hand, took the time to mark out a race for each and every single one of you. And this race is unique. This race is purposeful and purpose-filled. Your race is different than my race, as my race is different than your race, but we are knit together by this common thread. This glorious and beautiful God took the time, poured in the effort and the energy to mark something out just for you. And this race would be for your good, and this race would bring glory to His name. And the Bible says here, you know what? Live out this life. Run this race. Come on, discover your purpose and fulfill it. But for you to do so, we have to learn how to cast off, throw off, drop all of the stuff that so easily hinders our journey, weighs us down, hamstrings us in our progression forward. That's what the writer of Hebrews was saying. He was saying, you know what? There's so much at stake. There's so much in store. There's so much that God wants to show you and do in you and through you. Throw off all the stuff that holds you back from all that this race was meant to be. And as I was watching this scenario unfold at this check-in, I couldn't help but think to myself, you know what? I know for me, I pick up a lot of excess baggage come on, a lot of unneeded and unwanted weight in my soul as I go through life. And it's got nothing to do with being a spiritually mature or immature person. It's got nothing to do with whether or not fortune is favoring me or kind of is overlooking, it, overlooking me at any given time. Come on, let's be real right now. Just life has an amazing way of packing on a few extra kilos into our soul that really God didn't design us to carry. And so I was sitting there thinking to myself, what kind of weight do I pick up along the way that I maybe need to drop before I run forward into 2017 and experience the race that it was meant to be? And I thought to myself, I'd use a physical illustration and um, think about some of the stuff that we all pick up along the way in our luggage. I know one of the major weights that I pick up along the journey is the weight of offense. I get offended really easy. Maybe you get offended a little bit easy as well. But that thing that is said, that thing that is done, maybe that act of inconsideration that was kind of, you know, enacted upon you. I get a bee in my bonnet. I don't even know what that means. I've never worn a bonnet in my life, but there's... <laughs> Bees get up in there really, really easy for me. And I find myself, you know, shooting daggers with my eyes. And I know I shouldn't do it, but I kind of call the odd curse down on the individual that who's offended me or hurt me. And, and don't look at me like you're so holy. Come on, we all get offended. 
you know, that neighbor or that family member or that work colleague or that, or that person who you haven't just seen in a really long time, but something that they did way back in the day for some reason still kind of irks you deep inside. Well, the reality is offense is a weight that all of us pick up really easily along the journey. And if we don't deal with the offense in our life, that offense will become a root of bitterness that will seep into our soul. It will affect our relationships. It will affect the community that we're a part of. It will affect our marriages, even the way that we parent our children. It will be a horrible, ill-fitting weight that we weren't meant to carry, that we carry around everywhere we go. I also carry the weight of shame quite easily. Um, The mistake that I made, the line that I crossed, the thing that I promised I would never do again in 2017, but I've already done it again. I know for me, I, I find myself carrying the weight of shame really easily. Now, I have to be really clear that shame is different than guilt. Uh, guilt is just that sense of consciousness that lets you know that you have you know, crossed a boundary or maybe hurt an individual and something needs to be rectified, something needs to be done. If you do wrong and you don't feel guilt, there's actually something wrong with you. You're technically a sociopath and you need to get that checked out. But shame is different. Shame is unresolved guilt. Whereas guilt lets you know that something needs to be corrected, shame spins a lie that we swallow, that we are fundamentally wrong and we're broken. Whereas guilt kind of speaks to some things that need to be rectified with our life, shame speaks to our identity. And too many people in the journey cross a line, break a commandment, hurt somebody along the way, feel that sense of guilt, it turns into shame, and that shame, undealt with, becomes a a, a sense of unworthiness. And it actually affects the way that we relate to not only one another, but ultimately relate to God as we think God sees us differently than He actually sees us. And shame is something that we carry really easily. It's a weight that we have in our soul, that the soul wasn't created to bear. I know for me, I carry the weight of shame really easily. How about that weight of disappointment? Come on, who's been let down? Who who got a little bit kind of bummed about some stuff that happened in 2016? That thing that you were hoping for, that thing that you were believing for, hey, that thing that you even were brave enough to pray for and to kind of have faith for, and it didn't really come through. That, that, that failed business venture, that, that setback in finances, that, that relationship that just didn't materialize. How many people here, like me, get a little bit disappointed with the world that we live in? Some of the crazy stuff going on in our world at any given time. I don't know about you, but every single morning when I wake up, I kind of dread turning on the news to see what's happened while I was sleeping. I kind of hold my breath a little bit every single time I sit down for the 6 p.m. nightly news just to hear about some other tragedy that has unfolded, whether it's near or far away. And it's really easy to find yourself in a constant state of disappointment, just kind of going, wow, is this the broken world that we live in? But you've got to be careful because this weight of disappointment unchecked becomes the weight of fear and negativity in our soul. And we start seeing life 
with a, with, with, with a perpetual pessimism where we stop being able to, we, we, we stop, um, we are hindered in our ability to actually appreciate the beautiful things in life and we are consistently looking at life through murky negative lenses. I know for me that some of the disappointments in my life, some of the failures in my life, some of the things that didn't kind of go the way I hoped they were going to go in my life become anchors and weights in my soul. And unless you deal with disappointment, it becomes fear, and that fear will become a constant state of pessimism and negativity. And your soul wasn't create to exist in that state. So here we find ourselves. I don't know what kind of weight that you have in your soul. Maybe you relate to one of these three. Maybe you have your own kind of custom-designed one. But I know this. Um, it doesn't matter how long you've been in this journey. It doesn't matter how close to Jesus you are. It doesn't matter how spiritually strong you are. The reality is all of us have experienced things in our life that have marked our soul with weight that we weren't meant to bear. So here's the question. How do you actually cast this stuff off? How do you actually leave some of the stuff that hampers or hinders or hamstrings us in the journey? How do you actually deal with this stuff? Is it a matter of just kind of being told that you need to get over it? Is it about basically, you know, you know, making a time to come along to a church on a Sunday afternoon to have an Asian guy yell at you and let you know, yeah, you know what? You really should be better than this. Is there a five-step program or a seven-pillar kind of project that you can engage in that can have you leaving it all behind? How do you actually not only recognize that we all pick up a little bit of extra weight in our soul that we don't really um, need to bear, but how do you actually go from there to actually leaving that weight behind? How do you lose this excess weight? Well, every time I ask a question, I turn to Jesus because Jesus just didn't have answers. Jesus fundamentally is the answer. And so when you read through the Gospels, you're not just seeing a guy, you know, a nice bloke talking about life. He's actually the ultimate expression of God and wholeness and fullness, showing us in person what it means to find breakthrough and healing and restoration and truth in every area. And so I try to find a time in the Bible where Jesus spoke specifically about how to lose some weight. I'm not talking about the extra kilos. I'm talking about the soul weight we all pick up along the way. And I come across this fascinating passage in Matthew chapter 11. In fact, it's some of the most famous words he ever spoke. But one time he calls a bunch of people like us together and he says, you know what? If you are tired, if you are heavy laden, if you're carrying around something that you just know that you weren't designed to carry, if you're finding that those, that those straps around your neck or over your shoulders don't fit right and that's actually sapping you of joy and sapping you of life, check it out. Come to me and I will give you rest. I will bring resolution to that extra weight that you're carrying. And this is how we're going to do it. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, and you will find rest for your souls. You will find refreshment for your spirit. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. What's he saying there? 
He's saying, you know what? The reality is we all find ourselves at a juncture in our journey, standing at the check-in of life, being told, you know what? For you to take another step forward, you're going to have to lose a little bit of extra weight. That weight of shame, that weight of disappointment, that weight of fear, that weight of guilt, that weight of offense, you're going to have to leave some of that stuff behind for you to run into everything that God has got for you. But this is how you do it. Come to me, bring that junk to me, and in exchange... I will give you a yoke to carry. Or in other words, you put stuff down when you pick something up of Jesus. Now, now I understand that Frankston is now a beautiful kind of, you know, emerging suburb with, you know, glorious bay views and all that. And, 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 and your agricultural days are way behind you. I want to let you know, I'm from a suburb called Listerfield. All right, and, and, and I have a cow living across the road from me, so I'm, I'm, I'm all up on the agricultural stuff. So let me educate you just about like, you know, some farming practices and what a yoke is, because I know that for a lot of you here in this room, you have no idea what a yoke is, but a yoke was basically a farming tool that was attached to an animal, basically a, a, a beast of labor, and, and, and when it was placed upon that animal, that animal was not only directed, but that animal could, um, could work most efficiently with other animals. That's what a yoke was. And so when Jesus says, you can leave some of that weight behind by putting on his yoke, he was saying, it's not just about you forgetting stuff, and it's not about just you kind of growing up and getting past it. It's more than just you, you know, hoping like maybe one day, you know, you'll just wake up and it's all gone away. No, he's saying, if you want to learn how to deal with the extra weight that we pick up along the journey, you have to also learn how to pick up the yoke in exchange for some of these things that weigh down our soul. And for the sake of the fact that I don't have a yoke with me, I don't even have a backpack, I'm going to b- borrow the Reverend Dr. Robin's um, handbag because I like it. Can I borrow your handbag for a second? Because we're talking about excess baggage and handbags, and I like it because I feel I was eyeing it off before that it kind of matches my outfit. Can you see that? <laughs> All right. So to, to deal with the weight of, let's just say, uh, offense, Jesus says, if you want to deal with offense, it's more than you just being told, get over it. Uh, last night, I was speaking to a gentleman who came up to me at the end of the meeting just with tears in his eyes saying, for 30 years, I've carried around the weight of offense and bitterness about an individual. And I just thought that time was going to heal. I just thought that one day I was going to wake up and stop feeling it, but now I think 30 years down the track, I still carry it around. I still think about it late at night, and it's affected my marriage. It's affected the way that I've parented my children, and I'm hearing this incredibly painful story about a guy who just thought that, you know, time was going to heal the offense that we have in our hearts. But Jesus says, no, if you want to drop the weight of offense, you need to pick up another yoke. And could I suggest it's the yoke of forgiveness? He's saying, you know what? We all get offended in the journey, but you need to learn how to deliberately pick up the yoke of forgiveness. Now, a yoke isn't something that we're born with, and the yoke isn't even something that sits naturally right away. But the yoke is something, if we're deliberate in putting it upon ourselves, come on, it'll help us live lightly. It'll help us live freely. He's saying, you know what? Pick up the yoke of forgiveness. He told his disciples time and time again, you've got to learn how to forgive one another. Let each other off the hook. 
How many times do we, do we do it, Jesus? Because these Jewish teachers over here say you're doing a great job if you do it seven times. But once you get to the eighth, can you hold an offense against them? He says, no, 70 and seven. Or other words, he's saying perpetually live in a state of letting others off the hook and forgiveness. Jesus was actually, would actually go as far as to say in the book of Matthew chapter 5, he says, you can be at church and you could have gone through the fast songs and then the slow songs. You could have sat through the priestly pep talk and come to the end of the meeting where you're giving your offering. And if then you remember that you hold an offense against someone, leave your offering where it is and go off and deal with that offense. Because what Jesus is basically saying is you'll get stuck. You'll get bogged down in this journey if you hold that in your heart. And all the church services in the world won't rectify this weight that you're carrying in your soul. Forgive one another. And this is the teaching on forgiveness that a lot of people don't understand. A lot of people think that Jesus teaches about forgiveness because he wants us to willy-nilly run around just letting people off the hook who hurt us and offend us. And he's actually saying, no, it's not only for their freedom, first and foremost, it's for your freedom. Have you ever noticed that some of the people that you get angriest at, the people who have offended you the most, the people that you kind of stare daggers at, kind of, go, and you're the, they're the, you're losing, they're not losing sleep. They don't even know that you, because unforgiveness is ultimately uh, damaging more to you than it is to them. Have you ever heard that before? That kind of unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping someone else is going to die. Well, we all do it. And Jesus says, don't live in that kind of mode. Let each other off the hook. Because why? In letting someone else off the hook, you let yourself off, off the hook. And you get to go forward and run this race. If you break down the teachings of Jesus regarding forgiveness time and time again, the angle that he really took was this, that if you want to learn how to forgive one another, just first and foremost, remember how much you've been forgiven. Or in other words, if you want to let someone off the hook, remember how big the hook was you were once let off. Yes, that person let you down, but how many times have you let someone down? Come on, yes, that person was careless with their words, but how many bajillion times have you been careless with your words? He actually goes as far to say, you know, if you really think about it, you know, you've been let off such a great debt, holding someone to a relatively small debt is kind of silly. If I, like, you know, spotted Robin, like, you know, a million dollars at the end of this kind of meeting and say, hey, Robin, I just love those frames. Thank you for the use of your bag. Here's a million dollars. Wouldn't it be easy to hit Robin up for 10 bucks in the car park? Why? Because she's been blessed with so much. It's easy to pass on that blessing. And he's saying, if you want to learn how to forgive each other, recognize we're all faulted, frail fools, and we've all messed up. And if we could learn how to put on sometimes the challenging yoke of forgiveness. We not only let someone off the hook, we let ourselves off the hook. And that's how we live light and free. Amen? He's saying, you know what? If you want to deal with the weight of shame, you need to learn how to put on the yoke of His grace. I find very often in life that some people find it harder to forgive themselves than they do to forgive other people. Because there is something instinctive and intuitive that says that you know, maybe because we've stumbled or maybe because we've fallen, we're a fallen failure. That's who we are by definition. When God comes along and says, you know what? I don't feel that way at all. That's not what I see. That's not what I perceive. 
I know for some reason a lot of people have this picture of God as some kind of angry guy in the sky, you know, with a furrowed look on his brow and a lightning bolt in his hand, ready to take you out when you break, once you break one of his... He loves it. I play competition golf every now and then, and there's a guy at our golf club that no one likes to play golf with because he's that golf rule stickler. Like, I believe in, in sticking to the rules. I believe in, in um, you know, if you're going to play by the rules, play by the rules. But this guy kind of hovers around, uh, you know, just, just waiting for, like, a blade of grass to move or maybe a question to be asked in the wrong way. And right away, bang, one-stroke penalty, bang, two-stroke penalty. And many of you here in this room will have no kind of understanding of that golf analogy, but you do know what it's like to be around someone who nitpicks and loves to point out all the things that are wrong with you. You know what? God isn't one of those people. He's the opposite. He delights in expressing mercy. He delights in unfolding grace because God doesn't just love as an act of His will or a response to our loveliness. He loves because it's who He is. He can't help Himself. If you could cut Robin, he, she would bleed Skittles. And if you could cut God, you, He would bleed love for you. And, and you've got to understand that, that His desire isn't to hold your past against you. Come on, His desire is to help you into your future. One of the most beautiful stories in all of the Bible is found in the book of Luke chapter 15, where Jesus was hanging out at the craziest of house parties. Like, if you think Jesus was like a holy dude who couldn't hang around with the average Joe, you gotta, you're, you're absolutely mistaken because this Bible, the Bible says he's hanging out with a bunch of sinners and tax collectors. That word sinners was in parentheses, literally meaning like a group of people, a segment of society. Yes, like you put your hand up. Yeah, me as well, brother. Sorry? That's right. And so he's here because he's trying to save them. He's hanging out. And they're hanging out. They're partying, having a few drinks. You know, eating a little bit of fried food because everyone loves a little bit of fried food at a gathering. And, and then the religious guys just couldn't get their minds around it because they hear that this party is going on and they start to murmur to each other, what's up with this Jesus cat? If he really was a rabbi, he wouldn't be hanging out with this dude. He'd be hating on this dude. He wouldn't be conversing. He'd be condemning. Why is he high-fiving that guy as opposed to slapping him in the face? Why is Jesus doing this? Why? Because it was never God's desire to condemn, it was to save. That's the reason it says in John chapter 3, verse 17, for Jesus didn't come here to condemn the world, but to save it. And so he tells this story trying to clarify for everybody once and for all what God's like. And he talks about this crazy lost sheep and a, and a lost coin and ultimately about a couple of lost kids. And one of these kids kind of represents all of us who have messed up. A kid who's run away, a kid who's pinched his dad's money, a kid who's gone off to Bali and blown it on bintang beer and bad braids, and, and now we've come back looking kind of silly. And you think that the father would slap the kid down, but what does the father do? What? Grabs him, embraces him, kisses him, loves him, and then clothes him. I love this little nuance. The Bible says that the father puts a robe on him. That's a picture of God's grace. And maybe someone here in this room, to go forward in 2017, you've got to allow God to maybe put the robe of His grace on you and let you know you crossed the line. He lets you know, hey, we've all messed up. But He wants to let you know that His desire isn't to hold that against you forevermore, 
but to help you and heal you and to have you go forward, not falling into that again. Amen? You've got to put on that yoke of His grace. The only way we're going to really deal with that weight of disappointment and fear, which so easily is picked up along the journey, especially in the times that we're living in right now, is to deliberately put on the yoke of faith and expectation and hope, which comes from Jesus alone. I know for me, I was like kind of crossing my fingers just quietly going into 2017, that 2017 wouldn't be marked by some of the same tragedy that we saw in 2016. But come on, we get a couple of weeks into the year and the tragedy strikes our own city. And it's really easy to kind of think to yourself, man, is this, this, is this just the status quo now? And, and, and should I even expect anything good to happen only to be let down? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's really easy to get into that mode of living. It's really easy to be marked by that weight of disappointment in our soul. But here Jesus lovingly shows up and says this, you know what? How life will turn out, that's only in God's hands. But you can know this. Around every twist and around every turn, God will be there. Come on, working for your good to bring about good. You can know this, that John chapter 10 and verse 10 promises that our God is the God who wants you to live the abundant life, the more than enough life, the greater and greater, the brighter and brighter, the bolder and bolder and the better life. It's the enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy it's the enemy who wants to rob you of your joy and your sense of expectation. That's not God. God wants you to live your life knowing that whatever lies around the corner, He's there and He's working for your good. Come on, could you make a decision to put on the yoke every single morning of hope and expectation that no matter what has come before, come on, there are brighter days ahead. No matter what has hurt you before, come on, there is help and healing in your future. Come on, no matter what has caused you to drop your head in the past, the God of this universe, who's the lifter of our head, is there to help you every single day. Would you put on the yoke of hope and expectation? I just so believe that God is offensively practical. Some of us think that this, this relationship with Jesus, is, is, it's all lived in that ethereal spiritual space and that kind of freedom and liberty are only for those who can ascend to that space where they, you know, it's like the, the, the shama shama ding-dongers, the ones who kind of, oh, gee, they're, they're the only ones. No, but, but Jesus was so simple and so practical. He would show up and say, yo, you carry this stuff around. You don't need to. So let me show you how to drop some of that excess weight. It's going to require you to recognize that you need to put on the yoke, the fashionable handbag of the alternative. Come on, drop that weight of offense and bitterness. Pick up that weight daily of forgiveness and letting someone off the hook. Maybe even this afternoon, you need to just send a text to open up conversation again. Maybe this week, you need to send a letter or an email just, you know, explaining how you're kind of feeling and, and what has happened, but how committed you are to seeing, you know, a restoration of relationship. Now, maybe even this week, you kind of need to take the opportunity to have a conversation with someone within your family and 
And uh, I know like last night I was talking to somebody who was, who was just saying that I just stopped conversing to this individual, conversing like a couple of years ago. I just stopped it. And this week I just know that I need to maybe out of the blue you know, do my best to start that relationship again. And if there's an area of forgiveness that I need to seek, I need to seek that as well. And come on, put on that yoke and you'll live lighter. Come on, just drop that yoke of shame. You'd be amazed at what God sees when He looks in your direction. He doesn't see your mistakes. No, He sees someone made in His image. He doesn't see your shortcomings. No, He sees what a glorious story it's going to be when He lifts you up as high as He is destined you to live. He doesn't see the sum of all your wrongness. He just sees everything right that He put into you fearfully and wonderfully made. Drop that weight of shame. Come on and pick up that yoke of His forgiveness and His grace every single day. Come on, leave that weight of disappointment and fear behind. You weren't made to live life in that mode. But put on the yoke every single day. Hey, come on. I've got breath in my lungs and God on my side. Amen. Today is going to be a good day. And even if things go wrong, my God is the God who takes all the things that are wrong. He works them together for the good of those who love Him and who are called according to His purpose. Come on. Today is going to be a good day. And live your life free. Amen. So, here we go. 2017. The plane is boarding. Final call. But here is the cool reality. Some of us out of this morning are going to have left some of this weight behind. How is 2017 going to play out? No guarantees. I've got a few educated guesses, but I can't make any guarantees. But I do know this. If we would allow God to help us deal with some of these excess weights, by putting on the yoke He created us for. We're all going to go into 2017 living just a little bit lighter. Let me pray. I'd like to just like touch upon a few areas and then we're done. Is that cool? Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? Maybe there's someone here in this room who kind of identifies with one of those weights. Or maybe you know that you carry a weight that I didn't talk about today, but you know that it wasn't God's design or His destiny for you to carry that around. And you know that maybe you need to pick up the weight or the yoke of forgiveness or the yoke of His grace and His love. Maybe you know that you need to pick up the yoke of hope and expectation. And if that's you, I'd love to pray really quickly and simply for you that you would be able to, be, that you would be able to put down and to pick up that thing which is of Jesus that's going to help, help you live lightly and freely. So if that's you and you know that you carry around that weight of shame or that weight of offense or that weight of disappointment and you want to replace that with His yoke, would you lift your hand where you are? Just lift your hand where you are. Wow. Lord Jesus, you tell us that you oppose the proud but give grace to the humble. And right now these hands are lifted, our hearts are lifted in humility saying, Lord God, move. We need you. So help us by your Spirit, drop some of this excess weight and pick up your yoke. 
knowing that you designed us to live lightly and to live freely. Do it for your name's sake. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's drop some of this weight. Let's pick up the yoke and live this year just a little bit lighter. God bless you.